I have seen one or two things in my life, but never, never anything like this. Welcome to Movie Lumpers. My name is Bob Shem. My name is Angela. I'm all groomed up. You groomed me. I did. You got that mustache. We're so pale. Who, me? Both of us. Look yeah. at us. Well, it is like the winter time, right? Well, I don't know when this is dropping. The winter starts on, I think, December 22nd. I think that's around when this will drop. Cool. Not too far, I don't think. This movie, if I planned it a little better, I think I would have scheduled it earlier because this movie feels more like a couple weeks before Christmas kind of movie. It is. Like, that's literally the setting. That Yeah, the kid is still in school and they're Christmas shopping at the end. And, that's, and there's Christmas lights everywhere and Christmas trees everywhere, but it is definitely, I would say, early to mid-December. Talking about the movie, it is a Christmas holiday time movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bring the kids around for this one. <laughs> the, your classic holiday fair. Cla- holiday. Full of sex and nudity and drugs and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just some weed. Sex and. Well, I guess we do got, get some heroin. Overdosing. There's yeah. a speedball. Yeah. ODs. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's last movie. This movie shot for over 400 days. It's, it holds the longest records for most continuous production. That is insane. And it was about 42 straight weeks of shooting. That's insane. That's... Well, Kubrick is renowned for doing scenes over and over and over again, being an ultra perfectionist. Until and, uh, people are, like, completely broken. I think that is maybe a part of his process. Uh, actors, even, even back then, Tom Cruise was like A-list, right? He's been. Oh, yeah. A-list in Hollywood for over 30 years, and he'll be A-list in a billion years as he's exploring the planets the way it's. Yeah, for sure. Spirit will and Scientology, the one true faith. These were, these people were both a big deal, and they were like the it couple. They were together. They broke up about two years later. I, I, I saw some fact that said that. His early relationship with Mimi Rogers and then... Mimi Rogers? Yeah, he dated Mimi Rogers. I must be thinking of the wrong person. Continue. Are you thinking of the lady from Drew Carey's show? I'm just thinking... I just thought Mimi Rogers was an older person. Keep she going. is. She is. She's older than him. Okay, okay. But he stopped dating... He stopped dating her, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Katie Holmes when they turned 33. And wow. when and I think Mimi Rogers was like eleven years, yeah, like she was older than him when he was dating her in the eighties wow. prior to Nicole. This movie was in post production forever because Kubrick was also renowned for staying in post production until studios were like Stanley, 
give us the fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. But he died after he showed a cut to Tom and Nicole Kidman. He died just a few days after that. He had a heart attack and he died. Oh, wow. And by all, and there's some accounts, but by all accounts, as I understand it, that Cruz and Kidman were pretty subservient to Stanley Kubrick's vision. I believe that. But I think this is particularly like, that's just Kubrick. He's an extreme ball buster. He wants big stars, but like he's not always going to treat you very well, right? Many claim that the studio cut about 20 minutes off the final from what the last thing that Stanley had put into post-production. Hmm. Uh, people claim that the studio took off about 20 minutes. And as I understand it, a lot of what, what the studio likely cut, a lot of the sex scenes. Apparently, sure. Nicole Kidman, because you got the flashbacks to her her little sailor story yeah. she had. And Nicole Kidman said that they they spent hours recreating those scenes. And it seemed like Stanley, like why Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman... Did Stanley Kubrick really want to just kind of fuck with them particularly? Is Was that his goal here? Because apparently this idea had been brewing for decades mm-hmm. for him. And back in the 80s, he, he, he had alleged to want a more comedic actor in the Tom Cruise role. Oh, interesting. Like, uh, I think he threw around like a Bill Murray, a Steve Martin, a Woody Allen, things like that. Yeah. And honestly, imagining a guy like Steve Martin not playing it up for laughs. That actually is the most intriguing to me that you said. Imagining Steve Martin as Bill in here, I think more so than even the other two. Yeah. That would have been pretty compelling. Yeah. And I think I'm, I mean, I'm fine with the casting. I think I understand why he wanted them. I think he just wanted to really stretch thin their connection, their bond. But imagine, but you're going from uh, wanting to someone who's comedic to convey drama, which a lot of comedic people can naturally do that. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with an actor who could not be less comedic. True. Like, completely not. But, you know, this was at least their third movie together, if they hadn't had more. Because, you know, they did uh, Thunder. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder and Far and Far Away. Far and Away. I was obsessed with Far and Away when I was a kid. It was one of those things in like, I don't remember what year it came out, but if I had like a sick day, Far I would stay away. home and watch Far and Away. Yeah. I loved it. So I do wonder, you know, because everybody wanted to know about them and there is this, you know, they seem to have this like picture perfect mm-hmm. life, right? Which we know no one does, but it does... It's interesting to me that he picked this, like, golden couple. I think he wanted to fuck with their relationship. I think he wanted to see how far he could get, and he knew they already had a level of intimacy that you would have to work even harder with two people who didn't know each other to get them to feel all the feelings he wanted them to feel. So if you get people who are already very intimate, and then you fuck with them... Yeah, yeah. It's gonna, the lines are gonna get blurred. Yeah. It's, you know? Uh, it's interesting. It took a couple more years for their relationship to formally end, but this movie is also described, maybe generically so, as an erotic thriller. Mm. Now, I can understand why you would come to the conclusion of erotic. Yeah. I do. But this movie doesn't truly feel erotic in the no. sense, like I wasn't chubbing out or anything. No. The, this, my penis did not move. Watching this movie, right? So this idea, and I can't say it would be like that for everyone, 
but it just didn't it felt too cold i was gonna yes it felt too calculated it felt too deliberate mm-hmm. to almost be something that really elevated any type of passion whatsoever yes and i gotta think that kubrick knew that i think he did Nicole Kidman is in like a see-through top and tiny underwear. You see her ass in like the first 10 seconds of this movie. Yeah, you see her whole body like so much. But like she look like the outfit could be sexy. But that's when she chooses to pick a fight with her husband. Mm. Also like you said when you're in the like sex orgy scenes, it is very sterile. It's very performative. There's nothing, like, sexy or natural or real about it. The only time, like, the realest moments, honestly, I think are between Nicole Kidman and the man she's dancing with at the party at the beginning. Because that is, like, a genuinely flirty, these two people are attracted to each other moment. You know why women used to get married, don't you? Why don't you tell me? It was the only way they could lose their virginity and be free to do what they wanted with other men. The ones they really wanted. Fascinating. And that later that night, after the party, when Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are just, like, making out. And he's, like, rubbing on her and stuff. With, Those are the only two times where it felt like there was a connection. Otherwise, it was, like... With Not. the with the exception of the orgy, which felt so clinical that like you don't really get that much sensuality in, out of it anyway. No. When we see Nicole Kimmon in public, like obviously this man pursues her, he's crushing on her good. And he's in, elsewhere in the party and these two women like are wanting to take him off. They basically somewhere. yeah, they're trying to get him to go And upstairs. We see him out in public more. And when he is, whether it be women or certain men Everyone is just fucking in love with him. Everyone wants him. Mm-hmm. But neither of these people get laid in this movie. You know, like they don't fuck each other. They don't fuck anyone else. It's all about their fantasies and like the, the scenarios that she posits. And it's also the way that uh, their dialogue is. Cause like I said, Kubrick does reshoots over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So, it, and like when Nicole Kimmon is, She's describing this desire this time she saw a sailor. Well, I first saw him that morning in the lobby. He was he was checking into the hotel and he was following the bellboy with his luggage to the elevator. He He glanced at me as he walked past, just a glance. Nothing more. But I could hardly move. And she was ready to go just leave her whole family. Give up her child, her husband, her life. But when she's telling the stories and she's conveying it, she's just making this eye contact with Tom Cruise, who's trying to just like disgruntingly fight his jealousy. You feel like you could like drive a truck through every word Mm -hmm. she's saying. Like their dialogue is so spaced out. Like the first 45 minutes of this movie is 
a pretty slowed down dialogue of people trying to get them to fuck them and then them telling each just parsing through uh their own romance and their desires and their trust for each other even though she hasn't really done anything she hasn't done anything she hasn't done anything but she had she w- does convey these desires a little later she's like laughing in her dreams and he wakes her up and asks her what she's seeing she's like i was dreaming that like i was fucking a whole bunch of guys and you were looking at it and that yeah like she was having that dream while he was actually watching a bunch of people fucking yeah at the it's, same time yeah, when he came home yeah it's such an interesting it's, i don't know that he got where he wanted to go with it because there it, it's it's very much Looking at this relationship and one person, she barely leaves their house and everything is in her mind. A lot of the conversation that spurs her explaining her desires and way she felt at some point is she asked him where he went at that party. She he, she asked him if she went and, he went and fucked those girls. He oh, didn't. Yeah, yeah. The guy who was hosting the party, this doctor... Invite him into the office because the girl he was with overdosed. He had to go in the bathroom because they were he was fucking this girl and she yeah. passed out. And this woman was named Mandy. And we come back to her and he tells Mandy, he's like, you're lucky this time. You're not going to be so lucky next time. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he wasn't screwing women. He was helping a woman. And this Mandy lady, we never, I think we see her wearing a cloak and a mask. That's the most clothes we really see her wear. That's true. Like, she is, like, nude through pretty much the majority of the movie, right? Yeah. Throughout the rest of the movie, after Nicole Kidman very honestly explains to him, after he says, I'm not jealous because I trust you, then she tells a story about how if this guy had just shown up at this time, mm-hmm. I would have walked away from everything. Yeah. And so for the rest of the movie, he's jealous. He's, like, obsessed with that idea. And that's what I'm talking about. She, it was all in her head. But he was actually, he like walked into a place where he was ready to fuck some girls. Yeah. Well, he went to the, he went to sex worker's house. Oh, that's the only other hot part is the second time he goes to Domino's house to try to find her. And he's like feeling up her roommate. And you don't, there's no nudity in that scene, but it's like hot because they actually want each other. Well, I think he has the agenda. Yeah. But every time he gets in front of the scenario, it's either a scenario that's a little weird or it's just not going to work in that moment. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't believe, even if he was at the secret society thing, I I was not convinced he was going to fuck anyone there. Yeah, I don't know that he would have. Though in his mind, I think, and out of a sense of curiosity, he wanted to check it out. He went with the intention. And he got the information. Well, he goes to that prostitute's house, like... He could have had her right there, but his wife did call. And he could have stayed, but he was like, I gotta go. And ultimately, he didn't even go straight home after that. No. He met up with the piano player that was at the party because he went to med school with him. Guy named Nick Nightingale, played by Todd Field, the guy who directed Tar. And he explains how he has this gig. His family's in Seattle, but he comes to New York around this time. And he has this gig where he has to play blindfolded and he has to give a password at the door. You're putting me on. No, it's the truth. And the last time, the blindfold wasn't on so well. <laughs> Man. Bill, I have seen one or two things in my life, but never 
Never anything like this. And like an idiot, he writes down the password where Tom Cruise can see it. You mentioned this, and I love it. The the picture of Tom Cruise holding the napkin yeah. for him to write the word. Yeah, he's going to write the word, but it's like, you know, on the loose napkin, it's hard, so you see Tom Cruise. It's just a nice little visual touch there. I mean, Kubrick's good at that kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know. You can't say the movie looks bad, right? No, not Certainly not. Yeah. But he... um but then he has the uh, the thing with, but he has to go get a costume, and he goes to this costumer, and who he pays off to open up in the middle of the night, and and he has two hundred extra dollars. Yeah, this really nice stuff, and then he opens a light. Something's going on in another they room. They can hear like rustling. It's that Lily Sobieski girl. She's like a teenager at this time, and she's in her underwear. And these two like Asian men, older men, older Asian men are like in their briefs. And one of them has like makeup on, like and a wig, I think, like that, like that con day. dude from Barry Lyndon. They have like that makeup caked on their face, and so the guy's freaking out and he's threatening to call the police. And it's just this weird incident about this guy's can't control his daughter, right? And so he gets the mask and he arrives at these gates and he gives the he goes in. And he gives the password, and then he gets in, and it's this very, like, the music is actually, you know, honestly, for an Illuminati scene, it's pretty tame. I mean, let's be honest. I think the one thing that's kind of true about, like, that you could just presume about all high-ranking closed doors, meetings of power, is that they, is a, these men are all fucked up pedophiles who, I mean, imagine, like, the worst shit. Like, I do kind of believe that a lot of these whether it be in Hollywood or in politics and stuff. And I think, you know, a lot of the more um, the uh, conservative reactionary pundit types, they've really grabbed onto these accusations. But I think they cling to it so desperately because they want to manage how how that label gets distributed mm-hmm. or to ensure that it doesn't go in their direction. Because there's something about the reactionary way of things that is like the harder you accuse others the more it kind of seems like you're the one with that problem. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just always feels so obvious unless you're one of them. I do think that you can have secret orgy sex parties that are completely consensual all adults. Yeah, but I think things probably do get more fucked up. I think there probably On is those like... those sort of levels where are, people are wearing masks and this is no like Epstein, identities. Yeah. yeah, this would be Epstein shit. Those girls would be like no younger than 13, yeah, like 13 did, years old. What did you say while we were watching it? It was like... If you ask a teenager what, yeah, like an Illuminati sex party looks like, it did feel like that. Like you just ask someone, like yeah, a seventeen-year-old, describe what uh, an Illuminati orgy would look like. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, they're all wearing masks, and all the women have the exact same body type, and they all have these uh, little thongs, and uh, yeah, and they're just walking around with their tits out. Yeah. It did seem. And then people just are fucking in front of each other. It did see. I mean, the masks and stuff. The everything looked cool. Everything the scenes looked great. Yes. But it did seem just weirdly generic in a strange mm-hmm. way, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was meant to be. I don't I think know. it was meant to be. Yeah. It, it was creepy to an extent, well, but I just that's... couldn't help but think that, like, when you're thinking up something like this, that I don't know, just. Maybe my mind's fucked up, but I feel like I could go way harder. Not in places I want to go, but just to imagine that yeah. these are these are power-hungry people who probably need twisted shit to get off. And frankly, 
this seemed fine. <laughs> Honestly, truly, the only thing that seems down was that there is, um, well, they, they know he doesn't belong. And it is kind of cool to see them kind of spy him. Like, you don't see their expressions. They're all wearing these cool-ass masks. And they're just, but you can feel the fear building. Even though you don't see anyone's face, you can feel the tension from him. Until finally, he goes off to this girl. And again, I'm not convinced no, that she anyone. pulls him aside. Yeah, she pulls him aside and she's warning him. It's like, you're in grave danger. He doesn't leave. I'm still not convinced that he's going to have sex at all. And I'm right. And He's then, just trying to see how far he can go. And then they were like, someone walks up. It was like, sir, your driver is agitated. He wants to speak to you. Because he had the taxi list wait for him. Then he walks into the room where they were setting up the orgy and all that. And all these men are in a big circle. Men and women, we don't know. And um, they're staring at him and they're quizzing him like. May I have the password, please? Fidelio. That's right, sir. That is the password for admittance. But may I ask, what is the password for the house? Well, we learned later that there was no house password. And if he was like, I don't, I didn't know there was one, then maybe he would have been fine. So they're but no, they knew, they knew he, he didn't belong. Though. Yeah. And they're basically like, we're going to kill you. Or they imply that. And the woman shows up at the top very dramatically and basically is like, I go in tribute. Yeah. Like, that's basically what she does. Apparently, that was, uh, that was Kate Blanchett's voice. The Mandy we saw, they she apparently had a thick accent. Oh, And so when she's in the mask talking, that's Kate Blanchett's voice. Which apparently was only revealed in the last three years who that voice was. Bizarre. Interesting, huh? Yeah, okay. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't the actual body of the actor. Well, the only time it. you see her actually speaking is like a few mumbled words in mm. that bathroom. And the rest of the time she has a mask on. She says, or like she's her name. dead, unfortunately. She dies. She st- she goes in his place, and it's a pro- and they're like, "Well, you're very lucky. You get to go now." Don't yeah, worry and they're like, "Get her. out of here and don't say anything." He's looking for Nick Nightingale. Oh yes, and then this concierge who is just like fucking the Alan Cummings, Alan Cummings. just completely <laughs> fucking him with his eyes. This is- explains that Nick Nightingale was walked out by two men, and he had a bruise on his face. <laughs> but it was so bizarre because at first he was like, "No, there wasn't anything weird," and then it was like, "Well, actually." Actually, it Actually. was the weirdest. And then it got weirder and weirder and weirder. And it was at 4 a.m. Like, it was insane. And he goes to return the costume. And as he's returning it, then the Asian man and the girl come out behind a curtain. Oh, yeah. And everybody's happy and friendly. Mr. Millich, last night, you were going to call the police. Well, uh, things change. We have come to another arrangement. And by the way, if the good doctor himself should ever want anything again, anything at all, it needn't be a costume. And it turns out, I guess, the costumer is now pimping out his daughter. Yeah, because he was like, come back if you ever need anything, and it doesn't have to be a costume. He goes back to Domino's place, where he has a very intense scene with uh her roommate Mm -hmm. and then her roommate's like all right well sit down i gotta tell you oh and domino is someone that we could not clock for a long time she is the 
teenage girl from Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay. Then her roommate explains to her that Domino found out she had HIV that morning. He came there to get this, and then he's like, Domino's not there, and you think he's going to hook up with his roommate, but then the roommate's got to give bad news, and then it's just like, everything is just warped. And when he's trying to get what he thinks he wants, something is like twisted well it's because like, because in his core he is kind of like a good guy because he can't he is worried about this woman who apparently like what happened to this woman and what happened to nick nightingale yeah. like his character is not a bad character he's no. trying to like figure something out and what he's going to do with that information i have no idea but he's pursuing it well he wants i think he just wants to know that they're both okay yeah you know and he cannot actually find nick and he finds the girl is is passed away overdosed overdosed but so it's interesting thinking about the fact that like domino found out the morning after he almost fucked her that she has hiv that would have been had he gotten hiv from her that would have also ruined his marriage right like if he you know like that's like a whole other yeah yeah way that could have gone very badly for him obviously and super sad for her but he sort of quote unquote this sounds really crass to say but like dodged a bullet right and the same thing at that party like theoretically he thinks he could have died that night but he again was saved they made him take his mask off and everything oh yeah so everybody could see him. him oh there's another scene too that happened before where he has to leave because a patient passed away. Yeah. And when he arrives at the patient's house, that patient's daughter pours her heart out to him. And says she's in love with she's him. She's in love with him. And he's like, we've only ever talked about your father. But everyone is in love with him. Yeah. And at one point, he tries to call her. And she's like actually engaged to Greg from Dharma and Greg. Yeah. And he one, just wanted and someone. At, at one point, like when he was just at his peak jealousy trying to find anything... Uh, he tried to call her, but it was her husband who answered, and he just hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. So he tried to go back to all these lines, and it just, for some reason or another, it just did not work out. Or he could have gone with Lily, but she was a baby. Yeah, and he, that uh, was creepy, and so you shouldn't. That but I'm just saying a, that was the only one that, like, probably would have happened if he had said yes. Right, but she was a child. She a was teenager. a child. Maybe she, maybe she was eighteen. I don't know. So his buddy, who was hosting the party. Calls him up and he starts to talk to him. He's like, look, man, I was, I was at that party. I saw you. He obviously was one of the men in the masks that night. And you think that too, when you're like, when he's at that party, you're like, you know, there's people there that know who he is. He's like a doctor to wealthy people. He also had him followed. Yes. So Tom Cruise was very obviously being followed. And he, of course, thought it was the people. Oh, he went back to the house. He went back to the house where the party was, and it was creepy as fuck because this car drives down, and this little old man gets out and hands him a letter that has his name typed out on the envelope, and on the inside it just says, you need to stop your inquiries mm-hmm. for your sake. And your family. Basically. And your family's like, this better be your final warning. So he's at his buddy's place, and his buddy's explaining, like, look, what if I told you that this was all a setup? Suppose I told you that That everything that happened to you there, the threats, the the girl's warnings, her last-minute intervention, suppose I said that all of that was staged. 
that it was a kind of charade, that it was fake. No one died. The woman that passed, you know she had a drug problem. She just OD'd the next day, according to him. She just overdosed the next day. It would have been like early well, in the after afternoon the, the following day. Yeah. And what if we all did that just to scare you so you would go away, you know? And he's like, and, but but he wanted him to assure that, like, while nothing is as serious as he thinks it is, he still wants to instill in him that things could still be very serious if you don't just let this go. You know why I think that's true? Because they let him go. Because if this was some real shit that they could not let anyone know about because they were doing terrible things for real or something, they wouldn't have just scared him and let him go. Well, I think they would have actually done something to him. Well, I think they, I mean, it must be his standing, his class, his setting in the society that ha- causes them to give him a second chance or something. Because I don't think they expected him to go try to track down Nick Nightingale. I don't think they expected him to like go and try to talk to hospitals because he sure. really was essentially becoming an investigator with this shit. But I also don't think that they're as badass as they want him to think they are. I don't think they would ever actually kill someone. I don't think it would have gone that way. You don't think they ever would have killed him if he went further? I don't know if he went further what they would have done to him. I think they would have, I don't know, maybe beaten him up. I don't know, whatever, cut off a finger. But, like, I don't think that, I think that if they were the kind of people who kill people, why would you let him go? Because he could go tell everybody. So you you think they you think they ain't shit? I just think it's more likely that that man's story is true, that they were putting on a show to scare him, more than that they were ever going to do anything to him. No, I think they actually killed that girl. Do you really? Yeah. You think they OD'd her? All they, I mean, maybe it's a little easier when someone's an addict. All you got to do is hand them the stuff. They might have. Hand him too much stuff. Sure, but they he totally w- could have. But after he gets the warning, he goes back to his apartment where his wife is sleeping and he can't find his mask. He lost the mask. And the mask is on the pillow right by where she is sleeping. That's some horse head while you're sleeping godfather shit. So. Th- that, that, that's some no fuck around shit when you see. The mask they took from your face, laying right next to your wife, they were in his apartment, his condo, penthouse, whatever. Set that mask there. Didn't wake anyone up. They were okay. They were standing over her and breathing, and what's she didn't hap- even know. Okay, but what's happening is Stanley Kubrick is fucking with your head because that could be what happened. That is what. No, they never took that mask from him. He went home and hid that costume at their house for a little while. The other thing that could have happened is she could have found it and put it there to ask him about it when he came home. Because as soon as he saw it, he's like, I'll tell you everything. They took the mask at the party when they asked him to take it off. They took it from him? He was not wearing it. Maybe he dropped it. I don't know. But he absolutely took that mask. He thought he had it. The difference between his whole costume and the mask is that he wasn't wearing the mask when he left, but he was wearing everything else. No, totally. I'm just saying, like, who knows? No, I feel like I know. Okay. I don't think it's a mystery. I mean, I thought that too until he was like, I'll tell you everything. But maybe it's just because that scared him more than anything was realizing that they had been there.
he wants to tell her everything because all of that is fueled by his own jealousies. Mm -hmm. So he's essentially confessing to how, to his weakness and the roads that led him down and the things that he witnessed because he believes that his actions got someone murdered and yeah. it, and they did, Angela. They killed. Oh no, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I don't, okay, I don't okay. think it was meant to be vague. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, if they are people who are going to kill someone over this situation, why are you going to let someone go who now knows your stuff? Why? Because he's the doctor of the wealthy people. He's upper crust. They're, and you think someone they're not, like they're not going to be as they're going to be a lot more patient with him than they are going to be with. A call girl with a drug problem. No, I get that. Because people aren't going to ask as many questions with the girl. But if a bunch of wealthy people's doctor passes away, they'll be like, oh, what happened to Bill? Like, sure. It would be a big deal. Uh, charities would be missing a, a, a big donor, you know. Fair. Stuff like that. That's why. And I think it would get to the point where they would eventually do it. It's not It's not helpful to them unless it's getting to a point where he will There's absolutely no drop the dime. Fair. Okay. So they succeeded, basically. Yeah. This because is, by the end, she says to him, I think we should just be grateful. I think they were just grateful that they exposed him before they got to the child sacrifice part. Mm. They're like, thank God we at least, he did, at least didn't see us like, um, just cut children in half. Right. And offer the kids entrails to our God, ma'am. And, you know, cause that's, we all know that's the whole, the pedophile cabals, they're real. You can't, I don't have details on them, but come on. We already know that these old Hollywood producer types are creeps. Look, we love movies, but we don't, we're not like, oh my God, everything's so pure. No, we know this shit's filthy. All right. Like every other movie is some actor, producer, director with some real, like, with a little tab of, of, of a creep moment in their history you and know? there's people like that everywhere and in all walks of life but people who have a lot of money have the means to make those things happen yeah which is and imagine if you have access to anything you want and you're a man <laughs> and maybe some women too yeah no doubt i mean you got your galane maxwell's of the world you know one thing that she's such a her story is insane one thing that was cool that I don't know if I remembered is there's a part before he gets caught at the party where he's walking through and, you know, people are in various undress mm -hmm. and but they all have their masks on and there's a, a room full of people slow dancing and there's one naked man with a mask on. And yeah. so it's like two men dancing together and there's a couple women dancing together and they definitely like mm -hmm. included that very pointedly. Like, they were in front of the camera. And I don't know. I appreciated that. That it was like, we're not all just, like, men fucking women. There's all kinds of people here. We see a, a pretty a variety of lusts represented from from other genders on each other into people who are older or younger. But, uh, but again, it all just conveys in such a cold and straightforward fashion. It's hard to call it erotic. But I understand why people would. But, yeah, you just... You don't chub out to this movie. You didn't chub at all watching this, right? You think no, no. Do you think Keith Urban can watch this movie? It's a good question. <laughs> She's still married to Keith Urban. Yeah, They've been right. together a long time. Mm -hmm. He used to own a house where we lived out mm -hmm. in the sticks. We never saw him, but no, probably one of like twenty houses they had. 
so you're you're wondering if Keith Urban watches eyes wide shut and beats off. Well, no, but I just had the thought at some point while we were watching it because it is so intimate, especially in those the argument moments, the conversations between Nicole and Tom. It's got to fuck you up to know that there's like literal footage of the person that you love with the person that they the multiple movies even. I mean, this isn't even sexy. There's and, some stuff in Far and Away that's like love, love, and you know? You, and it's also like, you know they're inherently weird in and of themselves. Oh, right? sure. You know they're inherently different. Sometimes, you know, I just I don't know for sure, but maybe like the most impassioned, intertwined stuff they ever did was making this fucking movie. It's very possible. I don't know. I don't know if they have kids. I think they do. I think um, they adopted. But I could be wrong about that. So at the end, he's like, he wants to confess to her and she's upset about it. And they go out and they shop and he's like, he they really- have a child also. We it, haven't really talked about that, but they have a child. He really does have that good nature, I want to do the right thing attitude about him because he's still wondering what we should do. And she's basically saying- We're awake now. And hopefully- For a long time to come. Forever. 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 Mm. Let's let's not use that word. You know. It frightens me. <laughs> There's only really one thing left for us to do. There is something very important that we need to do as soon as possible. What's that? The F word. Fuck. I won't say. Fuck. We don't say those words. Fuck. 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 What is the word? What does she say? She'll say the word fuck, but she won't say forever. Fuck. 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 And yeah, so that's, you know that Tom Cruise, at least after that scene perhaps, finally gets laid. And what a what a strange movie. I think we've already discussed what I feel like is Stanley Kubrick's best movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of people close to him claim that Stanley thought this was his masterpiece. Don't you always think the last thing is? We're also talking about a guy who had a very high batting average. So even if we're like, this movie seems weird, it's still like a good movie. Yeah. Essentially. It's just for us, Kubrick. It's like when you have a kid that makes A plus A plus, like a 99, and he comes home with like an 82. You're like, what the hell's happening exactly. here? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's pretty much Stanley Kubrick, right? Yeah. So you're going to give this one through five. I'm going to give this one through five combined for best out of 10. I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. I'm going to give it a four. Right there. B plus. High, highest possible B. Right next to movies like... Uh, for a few dollars more, Horror of Dracula, Plane Strains and Automobiles, Speak No Evil, In Bruges, Eyes Wide Shut is at least, at least as good as that. And I think what's interesting ultimately about Eyes Wide Shut, you know, a lot of Stanley Kubrick movies have been vetted, discussed, uh, plucked through, but there's something about this movie that does inspire like some interesting conversation it 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 just it does feel like the most mysterious stanley kubrick movie just for the fact that he had passed away i think nicole's role was fine i i get he wanted this couple right Mm -hmm. it's tempting i get it but imagining his original concept of putting like a a steve martin type in the bill role in this type of movie 
I think somebody like a Steve Martin would have crushed the fuck out of this. I agree. This idea of the imagined being as bad as or on the same level as actually doing something. You know, there's that conversation in relationships all the time. Like, what is cheating? Like, if you're cheating in your mind, is that bad? Is that equal like porn or you know do you have to be physically touching someone they do kind of sparse through like what they're jealous like she's kind of mad he's not more jealous because it doesn't mean he's like fighting a lot for her right but he's like i'm confident in our relationship i think a lot of people would consider what nicole did in her mind to be cheating maybe like an emotional way but i don't know like i honestly don't think that's you can't you you can't can't control control lust you can't you can't control desire i think anyone who would call that cheating i mean i think that's more of a reflection on your own insecurity and tom cruise did reflect that insecurity uh in this movie and that did come through at the very least it did i think they did fine but but yeah imagining that more of a Steve Martin type as originally envisioned. It kind of the the notion kind of leaves a little more on the table here. That feeling for this movie as good as good as it actually is. But yeah, that's eyes wide shut. And who knows? Like I feel like you can talk about this movie nearly indefinitely. You know, and that's that at the end of the day is uh, what is probably the most interesting about it. But yeah, it was a loaded week this week leading up to Christmas. Tomorrow is a six pack review of Lacey Chabert Hallmark Christmas movies. Get ready. You want to be here tomorrow for some formulaic holiday goodness. All right. That said, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for hanging out with us. Check the shows for links and other places to find us. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, correction, fun fact, whatever you, whatever you'd like. What are your thoughts on Eyes Wide Shot? There's a And we're trying to come up with uh, a concept of a new sign-off for the new year. The stuff we've been throwing out there, not very good. So let me try. I don't think we can force it. The first one just happened. Well, I got one. Okay. Uh, Where my dog's at. (laughs) 